Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, co-founder and CEO of Champion Health, and today I'm joined by Luke Kite, the head of culture at Redico. Redico radically changed the way that they operate their business, and you'll hear from Luke today. The results that they've had are quite astronomical. Luke and the Redico team have changed the traditional business structure to one now that empowers individuals through trust, accountability, and responsibility at the individual level. They're the fourth best place to work now in the UK as well, and I can't wait for you to hear how they've got to that stage. Welcome to the podcast, Luke. Hello, Luke. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, very well. Really excited for today's conversation. And for those that don't know, um, Redico are the fourth best place um, to work in the UK. Um, and I just want to go into how you got it into that position, um, what your role is within that, um, and what interventions have you put in place and wellbeing strategies today. So what would be great to kick off with is how you got into the role at Redico. Um, I've seen that you've grown internally um, within there and what that journey has been like. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. So first of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here to kind of talk to you about a little bit about Redico and hopefully try and get through as many of the points as possible. Um, I suppose our journey has been a very interesting one. We were founded in sort of 2012 and grew naturally as an agency, sort of getting bigger and bigger, winning various awards in terms of growth and for campaigns that we've done. But it got to around 2016. And as an agency, we started looking at Team MPS and Team Happiness as, as, a, as a collective. And unfortunately, at the time, the feedback from the team was that things weren't as great as we expected. So in a nutshell, we've been throwing a lot of money at events and nights out and beer fridges and table tennis and all those kind of fun things that you have at an office place. But ultimately, the team weren't seeing that as, as a great place to work. And there was a lot of things missing from that, like micromanagement and unnecessary policies and procedures and the way that things work in the business just, just weren't quite right. And at the time, I'd been sort of working in a sort of operational type role within the company. Um, and the directors of the business said, look, we need to sort of clamp down this kind of cultural side. We need to sort of work out what's going wrong. And so as, as kind of four shareholders, four directors, they started looking and outwards at our agencies, other companies are doing these really cool things and started asking questions about, well, we could start doing it on ourselves as, as an agency. And then turned around to me and said, look, we'd like you to kind of roll this out and start getting these initiatives in place. Um, and very early on, we kind of started talking about self-management and this idea about giving people more power, empowering people, giving people more accountability, more responsibility, saying to people that you can now work when, where, how you want to. There's no rules that govern that. We'll take away the approval processes. We'll remove managers from the system, try to create these self-managing teams that kind of thrive in, in the organization, look to bring in policies around sort of being able to spend what you want to on training rather than having budgets in place, saying you can buy stuff to work from home more productively. And all of this stuff has managed to spiral on from those sort of early days of just saying, look, we need to change something here. We need to start believing the best in people because a lot of the time, a lot of companies don't, or, or they create these rules and these policies for the, the 5% maybe who might take the mick or will abuse the system rather than 95% of people who will and want to do a really good job um, in the way that they know how. And so rather than sort of creating those rules for the wrong people, it's about creating the rules for the right people. And that's what we started to sort of set out to do initially. Incredible. And it, it really resonates with me that we don't want to design the employee experience for bad apples. We want to design it for the people that we want to work alongside. I'm going to ask you a controversial question now. Um, and it's not a question that I'd necessarily agree with, but I'm fascinated to just see how you go about answering this. What about the 5% that may have taken advantage? 
of the way that you are operating now with freedom and trust um, within your people. How have you accounted for that within uh, within the team? Yes, I suppose what we try to do is just we try to implement more accountability as part of, of the process. So as we've moved away from managers, it's about the teams now kind of owning a department and holding each other to account more. And that's kind of what's really important. And it's not easy to do, and we probably do get it wrong at times, but it's about sort of that team coming together and saying, look, this person is performing, this this needs to happen. And we're fortunate in the event that actually since this sort of rollout, we haven't had issues sort of crop up. At the time, back in sort of 2016, 2017, there were probably a couple of people that weren't right for the way that we wanted to go. But we started to implement this idea of letting people leave well. So rather than saying to people, look, right, it's not working, sort of see you later. We, we sort of say, look, we're going to help you to find a new opportunity. So this isn't working for you for whatever reason. And a lot of the time, they know that it's not the job for them or the company for them. And, and, and we might know it as well as, as a business and saying, look, we can help you find a new job and new opportunity and something that you're really passionate about, something you're really interested in. So rather than just saying, look, this isn't working, we want to actually let people leave well, encourage people to kind of have a good word to sell at Redico, wherever they, they go in life and kind of think back to say, actually, this, this company really just helped me out when they when they didn't have to. And we've done that a couple of times in the past. Fantastic. And I think looking at that employee life cycle, it usually finishes um, from the point that part ways. And it sounds like with Redico, you're going that step beyond, which just makes sense from from every angle. It's just a bit more work, um, which is, is no bad thing um, when it comes to people's lives and putting a roof over their head. Now, in terms of traditional business structure, it sounds like it came very much from the top down. Is that the case within the culture that it was the shareholders, the four shareholders that you mentioned that came up with this strategy? And what has been the role that senior leadership have played in getting you to the position that you've got to now? Yeah, so so initially it did come from those senior figures. So a number of sources, they sort of went to look for it, like all this information. So reading books, speaking to companies, speaking to CEOs, sort of MDs, um, working out like what works, what doesn't. I remember sitting on calls with um, another company that implemented Unlimited Holiday and at the time, thinking like, I've got all these questions in my head, like, how does it work? Like, what happens if people take too much holiday? Like, I don't know, like, is it a real kind of benefit or is it a bit of a gimmick, all that type of stuff? So there was a lot of kind of learning from from my end and from the other senior leaders as well in terms of just almost you have to kind of relearn the way of work because everyone's conditioned into, into what we do day to day. And we're kind of used to kind of the, our previous experiences in the workplace. So it's kind of relearning is, is a big part of that. But from the director's point of view, the sort of the, the owners, they just stepped back and let us roll things out as we saw fit. They they kind of, from the top, realised there were issues. And, I mean, at the time, we probably only had sort of 15 people in the team, so it was quite a small team back then. And, and we're now sort of over double that sort of size. Um, and they, they so they, they were the ones that took, could identify that and say, look, this is the problem. Then they stepped back. And then from that point, I then just took over and started to roll out sort of the initiatives and the changes, getting feedback from the team. And and that's also another important part from the cultural side is not just saying, look, this isn't working, we're now going to do this. It's a case of this isn't working, how do you think we could solve this as a team? Because ultimately you don't have to have all of the answers. You can encourage people to come forward and, and give you some of the solutions. And I remember one of the areas I was really struggling with was this idea of moving away from management and introducing people that... Um, could kind of lead from like a strategic side of things in, in a department and introducing coaches into the team as well to do with like all the personal development and personal things that people might want to talk about on a daily basis. And there were so many questions I had about how it actually could work in Redico. Um, and so that's when kind of opened up to the team and getting people's thoughts and feedback and, and then kind of coming up with their own ideas 
is a really good way of getting investment and buying and engagement for the entire team rather than just going from one way of working to another way with just with no buying. And it sounds like empowerment is the word that just really comes through um, and trust for, for the team as well. Have you found any business results or and anything that we could share from a quantitative angle or actually just what employees are saying um, about the organization following this? Because that's always a big question when we work on company culture and well-being strategies is what are the tangible results often? Can you get tangible results from the things that you've uh, you've done and implemented? No, absolutely. So, I mean, as I kind of mentioned at the start, one of the first, I suppose, the breaking point was our internal NPS score, which wasn't as high as we kind of expected. It was around sort of the 40 mark, which comes back as around a good on that scale. Ever since sort of implementing um, those changes, we hit a world-class level by the end of 2018 and wow. then a world-class for every single quarter since then as well, which shows that actually it has had that impact. And then I know you mentioned the great place to work as well at the start. And there's a question in that, which, and, and by the way, sort of the great place to work stuff is all anonymous. So there's a survey that goes out to the team and all the feedback is anonymous. There's hundreds of questions that people sort of go through. And every single person in the team sort of ticked that this is a great place to work as well, which is something that in 2016, 2017, people wouldn't have ticked that box to, to say that. So you have that side of things. You've also got the well-being side as well. Um, so one of them being holiday. And I know I kind of alluded to unlimited holiday at the time. And unlimited holiday gets a bit of stick because people kind of think it's a bit of a PR stunt. It's not actually a benefit. You can only take X amount of days or something like that. But for me, it's all about how you roll it out and implement it. And ever since rolling it out, we've had an increase of about 35 to 40% increase in holiday taken amongst the team, which again is great for well-being. People are getting out of work, being able to do things with their friends and their families, their hobbies, all that type of stuff, and just getting out of, out of work when they need to. Sickness went down as well. So I think last year we had um, an average sick day of 0.4 days per person throughout the year. And the average in the UK is something like 4.1. So again, by giving people that that freedom and that flexibility to work how and when and where they want to, it's kind of having a massive impact on their overall health and well-being. Um, client results also went up. So our client NPS went up from a, an excellent around a 60 to a world-class score as well. Um, and then also from a financial side, we've continued to kind of increase both revenue and profit. I think in the year following the, the cultural manifesto in 2018, I think revenue went up about sort of 60%, profit went up about 80%, something like that. Um, and we've continued to, to sort of increase in both every year as well, despite the pandemic and all the, the financial and business issues that's caused around the world, which shows that despite we're operating in a way that's not traditional, and I suppose having to find our own way of working, it hasn't had a, a devastating impact on, on any aspect of the business. What an incredible testimonial and case study um, that that is for everything that we're talking about on on this show and everything that, that we, we both stand for as well. And that's often one of the hardest things to answer um, are those tangible business benefits as well. Um, I've not heard an answer as comprehensive as that, I must say. Um, so that, that sounds remarkable. I, I guess as much as this podcast is here to share best practice and what we're doing really well, what are the mistakes that you've made along the way? Um, because I think that's always really important to, to mention so people can either see what other people are doing and, and making mistakes and failure is an okay thing. Um, I'd just be really intrigued in, uh, in finding that out from the, the last few years in this journey. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. And one I get asked a lot is like, what goes wrong? What went wrong? And the honest answer is not a lot. It's really hard to kind of think back and, and really put your finger on, actually, this is where we got things completely wrong. There's been really slightly small minor things like when we go around sort of people setting their own targets and moving away from sort of targets coming top down and getting people to really think about those. 
an implementation of that maybe wasn't great. We we tried to we tried to sort of fancy it up too much and make it too in depth and too complicated and and not not simple really for, for the team to kind of follow and understand and really see the benefits and the reasons to doing it. Um, but we we changed that and we tweaked it and we're constantly looking all the time at how we can tweak our policies and change things and add new benefits and new perks and things like that into the business. Um, but putting a finger on one thing is really difficult. I'd say not starting soon enough maybe was the biggest mistake. Maybe thinking that um, all the, the the financial investment into the events and the nights out and all that type of stuff that I, I mentioned at the start, maybe that was the biggest mistake of all in, in thinking that was how a culture should be built rather than this idea around freedom and responsibility and trust and accountability and all that type of thing. Um, but I can't, I can't put my finger on, on one particular thing where I'd say actually... If you have to learn one thing, it's that. Fantastic. We're coming up to the end of the podcast, Luke. So I could talk to you all day on this topic. The big thing that I'm taking away, and it's something that Champion have implemented as well, is that freedom with accountability, um, placing trust and responsibility with individuals um, and giving them choice uh, and empowerment at the, at the core of it as well. So thank you so much, Luke, for joining today's podcast um, and looking forward to, to discussing this in more depth offline as well. No, brilliant. Thank you for talking to me. And uh, yeah. Good chat. Thank you. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace well-being, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.